Put your hands together. Put your hands together. Put your hands together. Put your hands together. What's up, everybody? Thanks for coming out to the UCB. Please shut up your cell phones and please put your hands together for your host, Cameron Esposito. I love stage setting. That always makes me happy. There's people sitting directly on the stage. How are you guys doing? Happy Tuesday. Give it up for yourselves. You made it. You did it. You made it. You got here. You did it. You had it all. It all. How many of you guys were here for Doug Loves Movies? That's, that's a bunch of you. And then how many are you? How many of you are here for this show? That, that should be all. That's all. That's almost. That should be almost all of you. That should be almost. Almost everybody should have been covered. It feels like. If you, were, if you had kind of like a, some, some, some spatial and time awareness, you should have felt included in that. Because you're, uh, you know, right here, right now. And I'm happy to see you. I'm Cameron Esposito. I'll be your host. Uh, you can clap for me if you want to. Don't feel, don't feel stressed out about it. But if you feel, if you were like, I'm on the fence about like, well, should we, I just, we just met. And, you know, or like, if you just didn't know what to do. Uh, I am, I'm, I'm happy to... See you guys. I'm feeling a little. Well, I'm feeling a little sentimental. I think is part of it. Uh, Cause so this it's not yet, but by the time because of how this is a podcast, and so there'll be um, it'll be recorded and then edited and then uh, and then and then and then given to other people <laughs> in their ears. Uh, I've been thinking about like what's going to happen around the time that this is released, and that's uh, that's Valentine's Day. That'll be. That'll be next week. You don't have to feel any way about that at all. I wasn't trying to bait you into some like weird, where like a couple people clapped and then like the people that were with them were like, wait a minute, am I supposed to get you some? Or like, I didn't know. Or like, if anybody here's alone, there's like, I like to just see comedy alone. For God's sake, one day in my life just made me feel like I'm a regular person. I don't, I'm not, I'm not dating anybody right now, but I have, I have dated someone, or I've never dated anybody. I've never dated anybody, but comedy is my release. And now here you are bringing up Valentine's Day 1.5 weeks ahead of time. <laughs> oh, maybe I'll take a little sidebar right here, uh, which legally I am allowed to do. I'll approach the bench, and I will tell you guys that uh, a lot of you guys have, have uh, a lot of listeners and people that have seen the live show have, have rated and reviewed the show on iTunes. I just want you to know how much I appreciate it. There's been like a ton of kind words up there, and I, I really appreciate it. So thanks for keeping the momentum going. And hey, uh, tell a friend about the show. Tell a friend about the show, because we're doing, uh, I think we're doing something pretty groundbreaking with uh, putting out stand-up and comics are trusting us with their material or with their backstage interviews right after they've gone uh, up and done comedy. They're in a very vulnerable place where, they, where usually we would kneel on the ground, sort of kick each other to sort of toughen up. After performing, that's usually what comics do. Or one will lay on the ground, and then the other ones will kind of kind of pig pile on top of there. And then the last comic on top is the headliner of the next show that they all do together. So it, it has to be everybody in the pig pile the next time all that group is on a show. This is just backstage comic stuff that you guys probably don't know if you're not stand-ups. It's some insider material. <laughs> Uh, but, okay, so that's that. Uh, so thanks for that. And uh, separately, uh, so that was, that's my little Valentine to you guys there. You, you, thank you. And then uh, secondly, I wanted to talk about, 
I want, kind of didn't tell you a story about when what was the most trying Valentine's Day in my life, and it's it might be it might be a kind of a it might be kind of a cold open because it's a story, but it's also going to be about feelings, and I'm sure you're going to get into that. <laughs> I know how you guys get rowdy for emotions. I've referenced this on the show before, but I wore an eye patch for eight years of my childhood because I had crossed eyes. It's just a true thing about my life. And uh, I had surgery when I was a little... Oh, I should also add, like, it's not what you think. It wasn't like a cool... Now that I say that in, like, a, in like a hipster world, there's going to be a couple people that are like, ooh, an eye patch. I didn't yet think of that, but it goes well with my skinny like there's gonna be people that think that and you're not even thinking of the right eye patch like it's not like a Johnny Depp sort of like a conquistador like it's not like a sailor of the sea like it's not like a with a black with the thing around the head it's not that kind of an eye patch the kind of eye patch you wear when you're a kid that wears an eye patch you wear a band-aid material flesh-toned disposable eye patch so when you wear it on your face it just looks like more skin looks like skin and then more skin just a one-eyed little like a just a little sloth from the Goonies type of a little kid just get over here you're okay what a bowl cut, they said. Um, so I had an eye patch for a long time in my childhood, and then I kind of half grew out of having crossed eyes, uh, and then half didn't. Like, if I was really tired, or if I was stressed, uh, then my eyes would cross, or if I just didn't want to go to school. Can you imagine if you had that power as a child? Just be like, Mom and Dad, my eyes are crossed! And then they're like, well, we don't want her to be horribly made fun of. She does already whittle her own bows and arrows to carry to school with her. I guess we'll let her stay home and have another cross-eyed day. It was an early taste of power, and I liked it. Then I had surgeries, and I wore glasses, and, and I slowly got half out of it, and then, uh, and then... And then, like, I went through high school like that. Like, like, I was a swimmer in high school. That's a very draining activity. And then I would just pretend like I didn't have cross eyes and, like, go to the school dance. Just, like, cocking my head to the side. Like, nobody notices. <laughs> Stuff like that. It was fine. I was accepted by my peers. I can't tell you why, but I'm very charismatic. Maybe that's it. Approachable. I know how to shake a hand, you know? How are you, I said. Then when I went to college, I was a theology major, which is uh, wh- why I'm an atheist now. And because I read the stuff and I was like, no, I don't think so. This is what I believe. I don't think I believe this. Well, I guess nothing then. I only choose nothing. Um, but uh, I went to college and, uh, and I was a theology major. So I studied abroad in, uh, in Rome, Italy. Okay, a couple, couple weird responses on that. Yeah, some Romans in here. Pizza. I don't know. Okay. Uh, so I, I was studying abroad in Rome, Italy, and uh, I was overprescribed for my contact lenses. Now, I also am super nearsighted. I have a crazy high prescription. We could do a prescription off right now. I'm negative 8.75, so that's pretty impressive. Thank you. Uh, audible gasps. Yes, that's what should happen. It's like, very... Uh, so I was overprescribed for my contact lenses, and I was in Rome, like, by myself, meeting new people for the first time. And, and usually when my eyes crossed, if I just got some rest, they would just uncross, except for this time, because I was overprescribed for my contact lenses, so my eyes were under this insane strain. Also, I was walking on cobblestones and falling down. Oh, I didn't mention this. When I had crossed eyes, if you're like a kid who always has crossed eyes, not just has these crossed eyes, like the weirdest kid in the world, uh, if, you're, if you've always crossed eyes, your, your, your eye, one of your eye goes blind. You blind yourself in one eye because your brain doesn't want to process two images. But if you have these crossed eyes, you just have, you just have double vision forever, which is why I have a giant, uh, huge file at the emergency room in the town I grew up in for things like, how did she walk into an open door? Like a door, I'm talking about one, like you... 
like it's open at you and it's literally much harder to hit the door than it would be to not hit the door. And I was forever just being like, I broke my nose and all my teeth are falling. It was, my, my, it was tough. Um, so I couldn't ever see anything. I'm walking around Rome. Everything's cobblestone. There's two. I went to an audience with the Pope and I saw a double Pope. I saw two Popes. And that's when you know shit's fucked because there's never two of that guy. Not ever. So I called my parents and uh, I had just come out to them before I uh, went to Rome and they were super Catholic and they, uh, they thought maybe college had done it. They didn't want me to maybe go back there because that's where the gay had started. Uh, it was super stressful for them. I think in high school I brought home like an Asian boyfriend and they were like, we're just worried people will look at you guys different as an interracial couple. And then four years later in college I brought home my Asian girlfriend where they were like, fuck. We totally should have taken that first one. But it was really, it was really tough because I'd come out to them and um, and they were, they like weren't sure what was going on. Then I was calling them, being like, "I'm in Rome and my eyes are crossed. There's two popes." And they were like, "Well, have you ever thought maybe it's because you're gay?" And it was like this very confusing time of like, oh, "No, I haven't thought that. What? Okay." Uh, and they, they, they were like, uh, "So I had to come home and I had to have eye surgery. Is what I had to have. I had to have eye surgery." Um, and it was this crazy cool surgery because when you're a little kid, they do it with a laser. When you're an adult person, they snip the muscles on the side of your eye, loosely thread sutures. You have to wake up and go to a doctor's office that's not at the hospital where they cut your eye muscles. And then you have to look at something, and the doctor takes her little, the little sutures like as if she's opening blinds, like, er, 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 and she moves your eye until you're like, no, 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 yes, yes, that's it. I can see now. So that's fucking crazy, and I'm a total badass. Um, <laughs> so I, I had that happen, and I was recovering at home, and I, I had just met all these people that I thought I had cross eyes. I had seen two popes. My eye was hanging by a suture thread. I also somehow, uh, my parents rented me Minority Report, which is all about eye replacement. If you really think about it, I was like, oh, fuck this movie! And also, I couldn't move my eyes, so I couldn't even look away from it. Like, oh, that's a terrible hell! And, that's, and ever since then, Tom Cruise is my prison. But... On Valentine's Day that year, as I had surgery the day before Valentine's Day, on Valentine's Day, my mom was like, you know what, Cameron? My little sister was, she was 12 at the time, and she was studying Spanish. My mom was like, Cameron, let's do something fun for Valentine's Day. You, me, and your little sister, we're going to go see this movie. It's a Spanish-language film uh, called Talk to Her. Does anyone know what that movie is? It's a Pedro Almodovar movie. Um, The only thing I could describe, so there is in that movie a 50 foot tall set piece that is an enormous vagina (laughs) and it's built so that a character in the movie can walk into it and sort of just lose himself in women Uh, I will say like that Valentine's Day sitting between my 12 year old sister and my mom watching the biggest possible representation of why my parents were worried about me (laughs) Like, the hugest vagina. My mom, I know, was sitting there like, I bet she likes this. <laughs> that was a tough Valentine's Day. But I got through it. Um, eyes are kind of half fine now, mostly. Uh, they're only a little crossed in pictures. And if you get one of those, I'll sign it. And, that, and you can sell that for twice as much on eBay. <laughs> so that's, that's really just, that's the story right there. That's a little, it's, I'm working on it. It's a work in progress. You should clap now.
What's cool about this show is that every week I get to bring new stuff to you guys, and so thank you for uh, listening to that and clapping and laughing. Also, there's other comics that are going to tell jokes now. So that's exciting, too. I feel like you guys are all... I settled you down so much, and you're thinking about, like, strife and eye surgeries and gay stuff, and I, I feel like I have to re-warm you up now. Like, I got, like I got in the, a zone of a story, but then I felt like that was too emotional, and you guys were just like, oh, so I hear about dicks. I'm like, I don't even know anything about them. I don't have any of those jokes. Not any. I can't even remember. Is it balls on top? I don't remember. So, I'm not your guy in that situation. You guys, we've, we've got an awesome show, and our first comic, I'm so excited that we got him on the show, uh, because he, he is uh, with a special thing record with a special thing records who puts out our podcast he is he has a great uh, album out that's called poems from the ocean ladies and gentlemen you guys are gonna love him let's hear it now for mr jim hamilton give it up for jim come on hello hi i had lunch today this is already a good story I overheard these two women. The one lady told her friend that she recently went on a first date with a comedian, but she wasn't going to go on a second date because all comedians are emotionally damaged. Yeah. Turned around, I was about to correct her, but then I just started crying for no reason. (laughs) My fortune cookie read, You will die alone. Yeah, in bed. (laughs) My problem is I can't read women. Never know what women are thinking. I'm so bad at it. I got catfished by a model in a Macy's mailer. She was looking at me. I didn't. Went to the return address. She didn't live there some advertising agency. You never forget which word you lost the spelling bee on. Yeah, I lost on the word faggot. Yeah, no, uh, I spelled it correctly. Uh, Unfortunately, it was my father who yelled it from the audience. I'm so manly, I poop standing up. My dad just started watching The Wire, and he cannot stop saying the N-word. Not in that order. What a day. Today has been like a Red Hot Chili Peppers song. Not good. Spent all day trying to get this disgusting stain out of the mirror. Turns out it was my face. I cut myself while shaving because who has time for both? Lady Justice is blind. Lady Justice is blind. So it's a good thing most minorities have an accent. (laughs) 
I don't care how many Africans have to die. Blood oranges aren't delicious. <laughs> I do all right with the ladies. You might even say that I put the romance in necromancer. <laughs> I wear Mangum condoms, Jeff Mangum, for the reclusive penis. <laughs> Neutral Milk Hotel, joke. <laughs> Maybe you don't know Neutral Milk Hotel. They're great, you should listen to them. Their album uh, was in the aeroplane over the sea. Came out in the mid 90s, it was so far ahead of its time that it has Spotify ads. <laughs> You're right, Sean. <laughs> Tell me it was never going to work. <laughs> the Commodores had a song called Easy Like Sunday Morning. It was written by Lionel Richie, who apparently has never had hangover diarrhea. <laughs> Did you know you can weigh your poops by standing on the scale before and after you go to the bathroom. Yeah, the, uh, the other way is kind of gross. I think I have a gluten allergy. I vomit every time I have like 50 beers. I got so drunk the other night, I woke up the next morning with a penis drawn on my forehead. Yeah. And I live alone. <laughs> I blame my doctor. My doctor told me to drink more whiskey. Well, his exact words were, drink less beer. <laughs> but I knew what he meant. <laughs> Be careful if you're drinking. Risky business at drinking. I had this horrible nightmare. My nightmare, I saw my own tombstone. My tombstone read... Here lies Jim Hamilton. He left this world just as he entered it, face down in an Applebee's toilet. <laughs> Alicia Keys just sang the national anthem at the Super Bowl. It's a good gig. She also closed that benefit for Hurricane Sandy. They had her close the show because it was in New York, and she sings that song, Empire State of Mind. Now, not that I'm hoping for another natural disaster, but if there were to be another disaster, I hope it happens way down in Kokomo. <laughs> All right, I gotta get out of here soon. I've got other fish to fry. Picked up a shift at Long John Silver's. <laughs> we don't need to get into how much money I make doing comedy. It's not much. But if you must know how much money I make doing comedy, take how much money Mike Tyson makes doing comedy, <laughs> and then subtract that same amount. <laughs> I have a day job. I hate it. I work with idiots. 
Like my coworkers will say stuff like, "In a perfect world, we would have reached our quarterly projections by the 13th." False. That's just not even true. Uh, in a perfect world, I wouldn't even know you. <laughs> are you just going to stand there all day, Burt Reynolds? Or are you going to sell me a ticket to this wax museum? <laughs> Spoiler alert. The bell tolls for thee. <laughs> a joke about a poem. Very literary. Didn't used to be. In fact, I used to avoid similes like the plague. <laughs> On the subject of writing, Truman Capote once said that finishing a book is like taking a child into the backyard and shooting it. Yeah, I have never been more motivated to finish my book. <laughs> Children are stupid. Do you know most kids can't tell the difference between a circus tent and the house that's being fumigated. <laughs> I made $15 today. <laughs> I am writing a book. I'd like to read for you an excerpt from my book. It's a memoir. Excerpt from my memoir. With tears in my eyes and a silver bullet in its chamber, I raised the gun to my brother and said... There is no such thing as second puberty, Rory. <laughs> From my memoir. <clears throat> and in conclusion, finishing a burrito is like taking a child into the backyard and shooting it. That is a quote from Truman Chipotle. <laughs> Enjoy the rest of the show. Thanks, guys. I guess the reason I wanted to talk to you specifically is maybe let's move this way a little teeny bit because something is yeah. kicking in. Um, is just because when you do one-liners, a thing that like gets in my well, first of all, we've talked about this before, but yeah. you have your album out and you told me how many jokes were in your set list. Right. Which do you? What is it? Do you remember? I think it was like a hundred. Yeah, you had like a hundred. So sometimes if I do a forty-five minute set, I write down three concepts because I just tell mostly story jokes or like long involved processes and so it's interesting to talk to somebody who has like such a different yeah. vibe on comedy and another one thing that's interesting about one-liners is like you have to constantly start over like you're you're not ever going back to another reference or you're not I mean I guess you do a little bit yeah, but you, it's like it's not the building arc of a story you're building yeah. like different jokes into a longer yeah. cohesive set it's, it's, I feel I like that would be hard. I like circle around topics. Like yeah. not everything in a row is on the same topic because you lose some of the surprise. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I try and circle around a topic with one liner. So I'll so, go in and out and in and out. Is that how you order your stuff? Like you kind generally, of. you're like, this is vaguely in this yeah. topic. This is vaguely in this yeah. topic. Even if I have to make it up in my head just to remember <laughs> the joke, I just feel like, oh, these connect yeah. this way. Even if oh, they don't. Oh, okay, got yeah. you. Do you ever do you ever use a set list on stage? I write one down. It helps me remember. And then you just put it in your head. I try to keep it in my head, but often I have to pull out the notebook. I mean, I just think that would be, for me, that would be, like, impossible. I write a set yeah. list of, like, three things and then constantly look at it. Yeah, like, yeah. What am I talking about next? Oh, yeah. The, the same thing I'm currently talking about. Um, I try not to use a notebook, but I do always have one in my back pocket. Yeah. Have you ever written anything besides 
one-liners? Like, when yeah. you started, is that... Oh, you've... yeah. No, no. I, I changed to one-liners within the last three years or something. So how long have you been doing jokes? I've been doing stand-up. First time was in college, like, 15 years ago. Oh, wow. On and off. And what, what was your act like before you switched to one-liners? Not good, I guess. <laughs> uh, you know, just jokes. I mean, similar sort of jokes. I just learned uh, how to you cut, cut away the fat. Cut the fat. Yeah. The same sort of, like, twist punchlines, but just took me longer to get there. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, that makes me feel like... I have so much fat to cut. <laughs> no, I have seven and a half minutes out of every eight minutes to could be cut. I, I love knowing there's a punchline coming right away. It helps my performance. Like, uh, you know, I think I had to do it just because yeah. I, I just am not a good performer. I have to get to the joke right away. <laughs> do you, what if, like, I guess the other thing is if you're doing one-liners, you can't really, like, weave in talking to the audience at all. I mean, you, I guess you could. Well, I prefer that. No, I don't want to. <laughs> so you're really standing on your material in this, like, yeah. super finite way. Like, right. these are the jokes. They are each one one or two lines, and there's right. no talking and all that but stuff. That's, like, what I hate. I, that would oh, be yeah. my nightmare. But you can do both. Like, if you see Emo Phillips live, he does talk to the audience and stuff. Like, he's so good and smart and fast <laughs> but I'd prefer not to talk to the audience <laughs> <laughs> well thank you for taking a minute to talk to me now sure. yeah. yeah awesome thank you. Thank you. you guys I'm so worried about you I am currently still laughing about the Burt Reynolds wax museum joke and I don't understand how you've gotten over it so quickly what's up with your hearts how are your hearts so closed to the world of experience that you can just live your lives after somebody has said that joke I was backstage trying to keep it down so I wouldn't make it on the podcast through a second microphone you guys are out here just uh. I feel I feel like you'll be tested on the rest of this show because up until this point I'm just uncertain I'm uncertain about you guys I chastise you for that you have a beautiful shirt on though sir how are you doing beautiful shirted man oh see that's amazing because you said I was looking at this guy but you answered let's talk to both of you I don't want to change no I don't this is I like this no I don't want you to be quiet I want you to tell me what shirt you're even wearing oh are you wear what does it say on it it's, it says no fun but you're just a handsome you are like a handsome dude yeah what's up how what do you do for uh what do you do with your face for with a handsome face what do you I don't know what I'm asking you um <laughs> Your face is handsome. What do you do with what? I just, uh, what do you do for a living uh, there, young? You're a chef? What a waste. I don't know what I mean by that. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever you're talking about. Do you ever deliver a meal to a table just to give that person a treat because you're beautiful? Oh. Uh, what's your favorite thing to make? I'm a bit of a chef myself. Today I had a hot dog salad. <laughs> and I'm not kidding at all. Here's how you make it. Hot dogs, Brussels sprouts, put it on some spinach. It's disgusting. Yeah, yeah, you cut the hot dogs into pennies. I'm not an animal. Wouldn't serve two whole hot dogs on a, on a bed of spi- uncooked spinach. <laughs> how long have you been a chef? Eight months? How's it going so far? Yeah, I think you're you're gonna you have great things ahead of you. Yes, congratulations on your new chefdom. Let's a round of applause for that chef. That was, that's a hilarious. I didn't mean to say that in a way that could have been an insult, but now that I've said that, I just 
Like, if you know somebody who's a chef, you should say round of applause for that chef. But if, you know some, if you're also trying to slam someone who you know isn't a chef, another idea is to say, round of applause for that chef. Just an idea. I like it. It seems like a cool slam. What's going on with you, other guy in a cool shirt? How's your life doing? What are you up to? What do you do for a living? You do graphic design. Yeah, I can tell by your shirt. That is, like, just a... It's, those are just skeletons. Yeah, skeletons with sombreros woven onto a shirt. That's some graphic design right there. Um, I know what you mean, because, like, my girlfriend's a graphic designer, but wouldn't it be great if you didn't mean... Like, what if it was just, like, super graphic design? <laughs> it's mostly penis buildings. So, basically, all buildings. Except for that one in Chicago. You know the one. Uh, that's cool. And, and, and uh, how's graphic design these days? Not too bad. What, uh, I don't even know what to ask about. Because my girlfriend's a graphic des- designer, and I, I'm like the kind of person that... This is literally something I said to her uh, when we were first dating. I said, I said, can you make it on the computer? Which is like, this is... I mean, this is not that long ago. <laughs> that's a... Just... Mm. Yeah, it is something your mom would say. I'm your mom. Good to see you again. <laughs> you're, a, you're such an old-looking baby. <laughs> Those were my lost years. <laughs> sounds like something your mom would say. That sounds like something my mom would say. I'm at the level of computer knowledge that my mom is. That's true, actually. Well, she has, like, an, LO, an AOL account. So, one notch above that, I have a Yahoo account. Uh... Okay, great. Well, you guys have been great. Let's hear it for this section over here. Uh, hey, I love this next dude. And also, because this is a podcast, I just want to let you guys know that he is taping his Comedy Central half hour in Boston on February 28th. So people listening in Boston, you could still go to that show. And people that are here, don't worry, guys. He's been on Conan. He's all over Los Angeles. You'll get to see him again. Let's hear it right now from Mr. Sean O'Connor, guys. Give it up for Sean. Very funny man. Everybody, how are you guys doing tonight? Good? Oh my god, you guys gotta get your energy way up. Like, way up. No? No, no? Okay. I just want you guys to get it up. The energy. Yeah, come on. I hear you. I, oh, I see you. I do not hear you at all. Come on. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Great. Cool. Whatever. Um, holidays, right? I mean... What's up with them, right? Oh, my God. Um, My favorite holiday, Halloween, right? (laughs) You guys are doing a lot of the heavy lifting tonight. (laughs) Love Halloween. It's my favorite holiday. I've been punched in the face six times in my life. Five of them have been on Halloween. It's because I love talking shit. Like, I love talking shit. I, I, uh, I like to incorrectly guess people's costumes. And people hate that. 
last Halloween there was a guy dressed as a cat at this party, and I'm like, oh, no, no, you're an adult. You're not allowed to do that. And I went up to him and I said, what are you supposed to be, a sexy cat? Like, being hilarious. And then he said, no, just a regular cat. And I said, then why do I want to suck your dick right now? (laughs) And he punched me. What a homophobe. You can't go around punching everyone who has to suck your dick. We live in America. It's allowed here. You can suck anyone's dick. I'm getting older, and as I get older, I realize that, like, I don't uh, care about liking shitty things anymore. Like, I love most things. Like, there's things I hate, like, you you know, Jared Leto. But, like, I... (laughs) I only said that because he listens to this podcast. And... And I need him to know. And... But I love shitty things. Like, my favorite thing in the entire world, and I, it's not even shitty to me. It's not a guilty pleasure or anything. I love Kesha. Like, I love Kesha. I think she's incredible. Uh, for those of you who don't know who she is, she's the new Beatles. And, like, she's awesome. I like Kesha so much, I saw Kesha live. This is a big commitment to make when you are as busy as I am. And... I couldn't, like, it was amazing. Like, her audience was so diverse. There was, like, me and then 9,000 teenage girls. I'm like, we're all so different. And they were all the same teenage girl. They were all, like, 15 and trying to be slutty but didn't know how to do it. They were, like, going up to guys, and they are like, you can put it wherever you want, whatever that means. It's like, you're not going to like what that means. (laughs) It means the butt. And... (laughs) So then Kesha went on and it was awesome. She came out on a spaceship. She doesn't have a single song about space. They're all about fucking. And we were all like, yeah, that sounds right. Let's do this. And so she leaves the spaceship after the first song and goes into the inner city Newark for no reason. And sing some more songs about fucking. In the middle of her, like, fifth or sixth song, which is about how her pussy's a gold trans am, uh, <laughs> super closely, and, um, with dollar signs. Um, in the middle of that song, she yells, Stop! And all the musicians stop. And then me and the other teenage girls stop. And we're like, oh my God, What's happening? Is Kesha okay? I hope so. And she goes, I just realized something. It's like, oh my God, what did Kesha just realize? In the middle of her song about how her pussy's a gold trans am. She's good at multitasking. And she goes, I just realized there's not enough glitter on these titties. And then a guy with a bucket came out and poured so much glitter on those titties and saved the concert. (laughs) 
I Googled it to find out if I saw the one concert that Kesha didn't remember to put enough glitter on her titties. And no, it happened at all 83 shows. That was that guy's job. That's definitely a job you get on Craigslist. Where it's like, must have own bucket. He's like, I got a bucket. <laughs> I have a ton of free time. I hope I'm pouring something on today. Because <laughs> what else do you do with buckets, right? <laughs> I honestly don't know. And I'm going to tell a story. Whatever. I don't care. I got suspended um, in high school for one month. And that's a lot of time. That's a long time. One month. They could have just expelled me, but they were like, he's going to learn a lesson. And I did. They suspended me for one month because they found me and all of my friends on a child pornography website. And I can explain. And like... What happened was when I was 15 years old, me and all my friends were hanging out one night, and my friend Brandon turned to all of us, and he was like, I just had an idea. He's like, we should take pictures where we look like we're gay, and girls will want to fuck us straight. <laughs> Which is not a thing. It's not a thing at all. But we were 15, and we're like, that sounds right. Let's do that now. <laughs> Brandon's like, okay, my parents are home. But what we can do is we could go to our super Catholic high school and take the pictures tomorrow. And we're like, Brandon, that's an even better idea. You're a two for two. So the next day we get to school. Fun fact about Brandon, he's now completely out of the closet and just tricked us. And I accepted him. Now it's picture time. Brandon and Derek... Take the most convincing anal sex picture you've ever seen. If you saw it, you're like, they're in love and they should be allowed to get married. And we had exhausted our knowledge of how gay men have sex at anal sex, and we had to invent new ways for it to happen. And Sean and Scott went next, different Sean. They went up to a urinal, pulled their pants down, and held each other's butts, which isn't sexy at all or anything. But we were like, that is awesome. Nailing it. Oh my god, girls are gonna get so wet. And that was my turn to go, and I was all upset that he took the butt thing. So what I did was I tied my school uniform shirt in a knot right here. I was in my boxers, my friend Dan was on all fours in his tidy whities and I sat on his belt at his back with a belt around his neck. Now all we knew about sex at fifteen was butts, boobs, and vaginas, yet somehow I just invented S and M. And I want some credit for that. So we take the pictures and we're like, let's run up to girls and show them these pictures. They're gonna love it. <laughs> That's how we should do it. And Matt, who took the pictures, was like, no, no, no. We could get caught that way. Here's a way we can't get caught. We could put them up on the internet. <laughs> And we're like, oh, yeah, I'm at the internet. All right, let's do that. So he put him up on his website or his live journal under the title Gay Teens. While that was happening, we were all sleeping. While that was happening, 
There was a guy who owned a child pornography website who Googled the phrase gay teens, found the pictures. He was like, these are for free. Took them, put them up on his website. While that was happening, there was an FBI agent. Yeah, it goes all the way to the top. And the FBI agent was like, these are clearly children. If there was only some way I could verify that they were children. Wait, is one wearing a school uniform shirt? I was. What my school uniform shirt was was a white polo shirt, and it said the school's name on it. This FBI agent was a real super sleuth. Who found out where that school was like that. So the next day we're all walking into school. We're like, what are you going to do with all your pussy? I don't know, probably eat it. Like, I think we'll have fun. And we hear over the intercom, can these six students please come to the principal's office? And we're all like, what's this about? Are we getting an award? And uh, so we go down there, and all that's in the principal's office is the principal and all of our parents, which they did not say over the intercom, because had they said that, I would have ran out of the school and then died in the woods. That was my backup plan. <laughs> so I watched all of my friends go in one by one. They all came out of the office crying, and their parents were crying. I'm like, I'm not going to go down like that. And... I came up with this plan that I was going to be so charming the principal never even brings up why he invited my parents into school. So I get in, I sit down, and the principal opens up with, this is the darkest day in our school's history. (laughs) Okay. Then he said, I think your son's a gay porn star. He said that to my Catholic parents. He looked them in the eyes and said, I think your son's a gay porn star. Now, all my friends were suspended for two weeks, and I was suspended for a month. And that's because I went back to my charming idea. And when he said, I think your son's a gay porn star, I responded with, well, I wouldn't say star. (laughs) My first time. Thank you, guys. I'm Sean O'Connor. Guys, Sean O'Connor, let's hear it for him. Very funny man. He's hilarious. I feel like maybe, though, that Sean doesn't... I feel like I want to say, in response to his getting tricked into making gay pornography, that it can go the other way. Not that I've made straight pornography. But I'm going to Portland this weekend, and the last time I was in Portland, I went to a strip club for the first time in my life because all of my uh, straight male friends were like, it's like super fun to go as a a group (laughs) to a strip club. And I will say, having been to a strip club one time, first of all, those women were beautiful uh, because Portland has this kind of like... uh, Thing going on where the women seem to have made a choice and I always find a choice to be sexy they're kind of like more suicide girls and less suicide stand by that um, but I, I didn't know that like why do men go to strip clubs as a, in a group that is literally the dumbest thing of all time because there's only two options when you go to a strip club number one is you like you worry for this girl, and you're like, do you need help? Do you need me to get you out of here? Like, you, like, are stressed out for her. Uh, and then you have to, like, or number two, like, if it's effective, 
Why would you want to be with all of your friends? Like, I don't understand why men want to just be like, well, everybody put their jackets in their laps. Like, well, how do you do this as a group of friends? How are you supposed to deal with the fact that you're just like, this is, whoa, is this good for you? Well, we're into the same stuff. I thought, like, because if you go, because I thought that, like, a strip club, I don't know what I thought. Oh, it's more naked than I thought. That's kind of my point. I thought it would be, like, Showgirls. I thought it would be, like, the movie Showgirls. Like, I thought it would be suitable for VH1. I don't know what I thought, but I didn't realize when you go to a strip club with all of your friends, just all your friends, and then a butthole. It's a stranger's butthole. And your friend is there, and you're like, well, this is your head next to a butthole, so now I remember this forever. And I didn't even want to see that one time. I didn't want to see you next to this. Not even one time! Also, the other thing is, this, uh, this one particular gal, she was very, uh, she was very charming, and, and, and her wiles were uh, happening. And uh, she came over to me, and she leaned across... I think the other reason, my, I think my male friends were like, they were like, She's, she'll be stripper bait. Like, I think they invited me because strippers love tiny lesbians whose eyes are falling out of their head from joy. Like, I can't believe these women are real. How much to touch them? How much? <laughs> and because this woman came up to me and she like leaned across the, uh, the stripper barrier. And uh, she said like, hey, how's everybody doing over here? And I said, I feel great! Like, my voice cracked, which I didn't know it could even do. But the second she asked me that question, I will tell you, I was just immediately wearing a backpack. Like, I was just, my mom had me a sandwich! <laughs> so I can stay for a while! <laughs> so it goes both ways. Hey, that, uh, but one more time for Sean. He's hilarious. He's hilarious. Hey, and so is this next comic. I am so excited uh, that he was able to come to the show tonight. He was named one of LA Weekly's uh, top comics to watch in 2013. So was I. Both of the two of us were. Can you believe your luck? What are your lives? Hey, uh, but I love this next comic. He, he's hilarious. You guys are going to love him too. Let's hear it right now for Byron Bowers, guys. Give it up for Byron. Very funny man. Yep. Come on this way. Let's just do what you need to do. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, that's right. Come on through. Hey, cut that off, man. That's violent. We don't need that. <laughs> what the hell's going on with this music? I'm sorry I had to walk through y'all, but I just had to. Uh, I want to feel like Jesus for a minute. Walking can be fun, huh? Sometimes. Depends on what kind of walk you're doing. Am I right? Damn, y'all close. I should just sit on y'all lap. I feel like I'm in a handicapped stall right now. I'm light as fuck, huh? Well, I was talking about walks. I did a walk of shame recently. Uh, it was interesting. Uh, I don't think ladies know that men have walks of shame. But we do, ladies. It's just a little different from you all. That's all. It is like female walk of shame take place when? The next day when she's leaving. Men walk of shame take place the night of on his way there. <laughs> and female walk of shame is like, oh my God, oh, I can't believe I just did that. I hope he calls me. <laughs> men walk of shame like, man, I can't believe I'm about to do this. <laughs> I hope she never calls. I gotta make some better decisions in life. Starting tomorrow, tomorrow morning, we'll make better decisions. But tonight, 
It's about to go down. <laughs> Just experiencing stuff, man. I slept with an older woman. Uh, I don't know if you had a chance to do that. Older women have great vaginas. I'm gonna put that up. I can tell it ain't many in here because they ain't clap when I said that. <laughs> Thank you, old person that's clapping. <laughs> they do, they got great vaginas. I know there's some young ladies in here. Don't get offended. You will get that one day. Just sit on it. It will mature like stock. You know? <laughs> it's like wine. It ages well. It's like crock pot meat. You ever put meat in a crock pot? <laughs> Let it simmer. It's the most tender meat on earth. It falls off the bone. It's just a comfortable feeling. It feels great. You know what it feels like? You ever put on like a nice used baseball glove and your hands just slide right in and it's comfortable and snug? That's what older woman vagina feels like. <laughs> On the contrary, a young woman's vagina, when it's real young, is stiff like a new baseball glove. That's why you gotta wiggle your fingers to get it up in there. Just... You ever see a baseball player with a new glove? You see how I always smack it on his leg, stepping on it with his cleats, and running over it with his car just to get it used to what life's gonna feel like? But nice used baseball gloves, they're already oiled up and broken in from years of catching balls. It's beautiful. <laughs> you slide in a, new, a used baseball glove, what do you think about like Jackie Robinson, Babe Ruth? You know, the good old days. You try to put on a new baseball glove, you just think about how fucked up baseball is now. <laughs> they drug test. You can't even use roofies to hit home runs anymore. What happened to the game we fell in love with as a kid? <laughs> I get in medical debates with my friends because we don't watch sports. Uh, no, somebody asked me, they was like, hey man, you know, this is a whole thing about like natural medicine and modern medicine, right? So it's like, hey, you know, this guy's like, what do you prefer, a natural birth or a C-section? And I'm like, I'm a dude. I don't think it really matters. Uh, but, you know, to be honest, if it was up to me, I would choose a natural birth. You know, because I was born natural birth, and you see how I came out. Perfect, you know. <laughs> no, nah, my little sister was a C-section, and she has a birth defect. Like, she light-skinned. <laughs> I know. I believe she would have stayed in the oven just a little while longer. She would have browned out a bit. Or died, but either way. It would have been natural. That's what the Lord wanted. It's Black History Month. I don't know if anybody talked about that yet. Somebody just left when I said that. <laughs> I'm glad slavery happened. To me, slavery put black people on the map. Before slavery, nobody knew who we was. We were just in Africa chilling. Then slavery hit, boom. We became popular like new technology. Everybody wanted one. We was the iPhone of the 1700s. 
People were bragging like, yeah, you know I just got the new eye nigga yesterday. I waited in line for 13 hours. It was Black Friday. It was the first shopping experience of his time. I know some of y'all ain't laughing like that. Like, man, that's sad. No, you know what's sad? That little girl who showed up to school after Christmas with no eye nigga. That was sad. Came home crying like, mama, everybody got one. Why can't I have one? And mama's like, look, sweetheart, I'm not paying $600 for no eye nigga. I'm sorry. I'll take you down to the store tomorrow and get you one of them prepaid Boost Colors. <laughs> I, thought, I think they had prepaid slaves. That's what I'm telling you. Prepaid slaves. Runaways is what they called them. Because basically when they fled, that means your minutes just ran out. That's it. Some people still like, mm-mm. I'm not laughing at this shit. Al Sharpton wouldn't like that joke neither. You know. Is it me or like Al Sharpton like a black Beetlejuice? Every time something racial happened, he pop out of nowhere. Three black people get offended. He like, reparations. I would call him too. I should have called him before. I got, I got racially profiled in the art museum. Like, I was followed, I was looking at, they actually thought I would steal a painting. I thought about it. <laughs> but where I'm gonna sell it? Who I'm gonna sell that shit to? I don't know nobody that's gonna buy that shit. I'm gonna be on the street corner trying to sell like, hey player, come here, check this out. You're gonna love this shit, look. Look, I got incense, bootleg DVDs, or a 17th century painting of three naked fat white women in the woods rubbing each other by Peter Paul Rubens. Ain't nobody gonna know who that is. They be like, man, no Pee Wee Herman can paint. No, that's Paul Rubens. This is Peter Paul Rubens from the 17th century, the Baroque period. Look, if you notice the bold colors and the brush strokes, you know what, fuck it, you don't know what I'm talking about. Give me $300,000 cash for it. This the last one, this the only one. Oh shit, here come the cops. It's a random guy running down the street with a painting. I just found out in L.A. you cannot drive a luxury sports car and pull up next to the police happy. They will pull you over and try to convince you you stole your own car. But they nice, man. If I was a cop, I would, I would do that shit myself. I would. If I was a cop, I'd be corrupt as hell. Because that job dangerous. They underpaid. I'd be trying to get all the money I can. I would pull everybody in here over and treat you the same. Like you black. <laughs> Soon as you hit a church, woo! Let me see your license. Give me this shit. Sarah Berkowitz, huh? <laughs> what the hell are you doing riding around without a license, Sarah? <laughs> Step out the car, please. Walk that line. Jog it. Keep going. Send the helicopters. We got a suspect fleeing the scene. Send the helicopters. <laughs> uh, 
Oh, before y'all masturbate tonight, <laughs> check my website out, byronbowslive.com. I'm looking at his website while I masturbate right now. Guys, Byron Bowers, one more time for him. Hey, we're going to keep the show right on rolling. This next comic, he, first of all, he's, he's one of the most original dudes working in L.A., and I love him so much. He's also been on your TVs a lot because he's been on 30 Rock and It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and things like that. Let's hear right now from Mr. Josh Fadum, guys. Give it up for Josh. <laughs> How you doing? How you doing? I'll be here. I'll be one of your comedians for tonight. I'm Josh. Hi, how's it going? Hi, good. How are you? How's it going? Oh, no, no. I, how are you? Good. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. I, hey, hey, how's it going? I'm Josh. Hey. Hi, how you doing? Hi, yeah, nice to see you. Yeah, yeah. Good. Good. How's it going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. 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 And then, uh, yeah, so, all right. Yeah, and, uh, uh, well, hi, hi. Yes, yeah, yeah. Now, now what's, uh, what's your name? Fraser. Fraser? Like Brendan? Yes. Yes? Is that what you always say? Uh, no, I usually say Fraser, like, laser, too. Oh, cool. And <laughs> <Start> saying... <laughs> do people ever go, oh, like, Brandon? No, they usually say, like, the show, Fraser. Oh, like, Fraser, and you go, no, no, Fraser. Yes. I think that's what Brendan says. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm Brandon. Brandon? <laughs> Brandon Fraser. <laughs> you guys are real monkey bone. You guys got a couple real school ties. You guys got a real cameo in Kids in the Hall brain candy. You guys got a real mummy going on. You guys got a real Encino man. You guys got a real uh, Journey to the Center of the World. So, yeah, no, and then uh, Brandon. Yes. Yeah, and so they, do, they, do you ever say, they go, what's your name? You go, Brandon. Brandon, and, they, and you go, and they go, oh, hey, Brandon. No, no. Brandon. You say Brandon. And then they, do, you get the people, they're like, oh, I, I'm not even going to pay attention to the name. So anyway, Brandon, so tell me more, Fraser. Yeah. There's a comedian, uh, this isn't so much exciting, but he was just, he, when I was first starting doing stand-up, uh, he's a comedian, he's like a local L.A. DJ, his name's Fraser Smith. And uh, has anyone heard of him? Probably not. So, but uh, I was watching some... Uh, like old 80s exploitation movies and he always pops up as like Fraser Smith he always plays like a DJ guy and he's got a super classic like uh, uh, I'm a comedian type voice and uh, I just remember it was like 2001 or 2 and he when I was starting and he was like uh, so Benlow's in the news again you guys don't remember Benlow huh <laughs> that's Ben Affleck and J-Lo Brandon Fraser uh, how you doing today good what'd you do what did I do? Yeah, man. You heard it. What did I do? Yeah, what did you do? I don't know. I got up today. What other question would I have been asking just now that I didn't ask? Uh, maybe what do I do? Well, no. I want to know what did you do. I'm trying to narrow it down. I understand that. Uh, I came here. You just woke up right before you came here? Oh, no. A little earlier than that. What'd you put in between? That's the juice I'm interested in. I went to work. Where'd you work? Okay, what'd he do? He wants to tell me what he did. The guy wants to tell me what he did. All right, I'll buy. What do you do for a living? Uh, I work in a studio. 
Oh, okay, all right. So this guy's green lighting all the pictures. This guy's making a deal. Let me give you my headshot. Let me give you my card. I got a screenplay I'm working on, too. Uh, so uh, we're going to do lunch, babe. Babe. What do you do at the studio? I'm a... Oh, you mean like, a, like an art studio, probably. That's what you meant, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, writer. Yeah, I interrupted you. You said you're a writer? No, I said I'm a runner. You're a runner? Oh. <laughs> I'm just kidding, man. These are the guys. These are the guys. Get up here, Sean. These are the guys that make it all happen, huh? Hollywood, these are the guys that make it all happen, huh? How about you, body language who's nervous? Mike. I went around Hollywood today. You ran around? Yeah. Not, but not with a runner? No. Vacation. Oh, yeah. You're on vacay? Yeah. From where? St. Louis. St. Louis Obispo? <laughs> Missouri. St. Louis, Missouri? Missouri. You pronounce it Missouri? Some people do. So I think that the Missouri accent, I'm from Oklahoma. Uh, uh, it's not like a, is it, what is a Missouri accent? Farty. Farty. Oh, he's 40 years old. He's farty. Because I think the Oklahoma accent is like, uh, it's not like, hi, I'm a hit from Oklahoma. It's more like, it's like, hey, how's it going? I'm, I'm from, like, I'm from Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's like a draw, like, goes down like that. Like, hey, I'm from Tulsa. <laughs> Guys, I'm awkward. <laughs> I'm so awkward, but I also like it when things are random. <laughs> Don't you love it when things are random? <laughs> Mm. Y'all seen that movie where Sandra Bullock take that black boy and make him right? Cause he won't no good. He would in the street and then he take a, 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 a nice woman who he just need a mama. And then the mama come and he make that black boy who was in the street cause she saw she saw something good in the black boy, and she take a black boy and she put a put a ball in his hand and that's what more of that needs to happen. So, uh, ever notice every time you drink asparagus pee, it makes your breath smell funny? <laughs> so, did you guys hear Adolf Hitler and Bernie Madoff got together and had a baby named him Adolf Madoff? Worst guy ever. <laughs> so, I was walking down the street, and I see a guy right before my very eyes turn into a blueberry-filled pancake. It was creepy. <laughs> Speaking of creepy, I was walking down a really dark alleyway and I see there's a creepy guy at the other end of the alleyway and right as we start to pass each other, he goes, Get away from me, you creep! And I said, but I thought that I was the you were the, hmm. <laughs> so I was in an echoey bathroom and I put the toilet seat down and played the law and order noise. <laughs> hey, who, who's the guy who, anyone know the name of the guy who does the bass line to the law and order theme? And is he also the guy who does the Seinfeld one? And if so, is he available to play my bar mitzvah? <laughs> Speaking of which, what happened to all the nose bumps from the Jewish girls I went to high school with? 
They're piled up with all the foreskin. Oh! Oh! He didn't do that! He didn't say it! How are you doing today? I'm pretty good. Yeah, what'd you do today? I did laundry. Oh, yeah, gotta get clean. <laughs> Smells good. You use fabric softener? I don't. Who has time? <laughs> Waste of money. Receipts in your pocket take care of it. You, t- you keep the receipts? Sometimes. I hear that if you, do- if you to take those ones, take those ones where you're, when you use your credit card, take the ones that say uh, that's your copy. Take the customer copy, because them, them waiters, them waiters will just take it and write in a tip. Any waiters ever done that? Any waiters here? You, did, you raised your hand. Did you do it? No, I didn't do it. Oh, oh, I thought you did. You probably just swatting a fly. Uh, so, oh, okay, okay. We gotta get out of here soon. I can't seem to delete any episodes of Hoarders from my TiVo. Uh, I was molested once by a fisherman, so every time someone opens a can of worms, it brings up all these issues. Guys, imitation crab is the greatest form of flattery. My dog does the strangest trick. He has his dick in the middle of his belly. How'd he do that? I didn't teach him that. Guys, who has time to pee? I usually do half in the toilet and finish on the way back to the couch. Can't seem to delete any episodes of Hoarders from my TiVo. Okay, let me do a quick impression and I get out of here. Okay, here's my impression of director Werner Herzog uh, pitching a prank show. Okay, here it goes. <clears throat> here we are going to create a reality where there is a man and he is plunged so deeply into his own reality that he can no longer sustain his own sanity. And when the madness and chaos become so overwhelming that he cannot maintain himself, someone will jump out. I think it should be me. And they will exclaim, you have been misled by a fabrication. (laughs) The name of the show is You have been misled by a fabrication. (laughs) Okay, thank you. I'm Josh Fadum. How are you? How did that feel to you? Oh, I had fun. We, I was joking around. I was messing around. Yeah. I was playing around. Doing a little crowd. Doing a little mess. Stuff. As soon as you, you sent me an email, yeah. for those at home, not want to pull the sheet, pull the, yeah, the curtain back. Cameron sent me an email. Yes. She says you can do a set. You can joke yeah. around. You can riff. You can make yeah. put do some make 'em ups. You can try stuff out. And I said, I'm in. And you're actually the first person that has talked to the audience like like that. Oh yeah. I mean, Jimmy Pardo. He's a he's a he's like a he's like a crowd work hero. He's like the best. Um, and he was amazing on it. But also, so I love your your Werner Herzog bit. I just said that on stage too. That is literally my favorite thing that I've seen since I moved to Los Angeles. Good. How do you feel about that? I'll take it. Is there a trophy that comes with it? (laughs) It's a a verbal trophy. I just gave it to you. Okay. So you can. All right. You know know what? Because I'm a hoarder, and I would probably be stuck with the trophy anyway. (laughs) I don't want to. I don't so want to burden you. Long like after, but that's not good. And I'll remember it's that. In your yeah. brain, you keep it. And then I saw you. I saw you perform at our bar um, on the show. Blam, blam, blam. That's the first time I saw you do that. Uh-huh. And it's interesting to watch 
you perform in front of a group of all comics because, I mean, I'll just say this. I don't know if you know that. So that was like, that show Wait, was gets... was at Arbart and I was performing in front of other comics? Well, okay, so that's a show that gets a ton of, like a big comic turnout. They right. book it with like 12 comics on every right, show. Right, right. Demorge Brown, good friend of mine, books and it. And he's great. And book he, him up. He's yeah. very funny online. <laughs> he's Demorge a, Brown. Yeah, he's an amazing dude. Super funny. And then he books like... A ton of people, and it's this really long kind of rolling show. Right, right. So comics stick around for it. Right. But it's also not it's not theater space or like a so people aren't there's no central focus. But but I like to watch people that um, like the other comics all enter the room when you went on stage. Or Did like, you, are you saying that I'm one of those guys? You're you're one of those guys. I'll take everybody it. Okay. walked back into the room that has like been sitting in the other room. So let's see what Josh is going to yeah, do. They let's see what Josh what is up, up to. to. Do yeah. you feel that from? From comics that people are interested in what you're doing? Well, I I mean, that's a really big compliment, like a really nice thing to hear. And so I feel like if I were to like walk around and like <laughs> know that, you know, it could it could it could trip me up. You know, I think what my process is, is that I'll walk around and I'll be like, oh, I hope I don't bomb, hope I don't stink, hope I don't bomb, hope I don't stink. And, you know, and then it generally more more often than not goes well. But then there's also those ones that maybe they other people might think they go well, but in my brain is like, it's a failure. It's stunk. Sure. You know. Um, I just think comics respect other comics who are taking risks. Like, it's one thing well, to go up you. into a room like that and try and tell jokes. Just like, here's my, you know, my premises and my, but then, like, getting up there and, and doing risky stuff, which is what I think you're great at. Follow up to this, you do TV stuff. You do a lot of yeah, like, television. I work. try. I try to get in there. And how do you balance that with live performance stuff? Well, I, um, I, uh... No pictures. No pictures. No pictures. <laughs> that makes it so much more legitimate because we yeah. just had to. Yeah, know, see, the, the, papa, the paparazzo were chasing us yeah, to get this are. interview. Uh, you know, I mean, there was actually a year where I was not as active doing stand up. I mean, I've been doing stand up for almost 10 years, and there was like a year where I wasn't as active doing it. And, uh, you know, in the past like six, seven months, I've been just like writing a lot more new stuff than I used to do. Yeah. You know, and I've done like. I don't do the road a lot. I would, you know, mm-hmm. I just don't do it, you know, and um, well, there's enough. I've toured a couple times with like, you know, bands and like the whitest kids you know and stuff like that. But I never go on the road by myself. But I can imagine that because some of the reason that touring exists is because in other cities, television doesn't exist. Like there isn't, you can't be going out for commercials and going out for spots and TV shows and like you have to make your living going on the road all the time. That's one thing that I found very interesting about L.A. is right. how, like, I moved here thinking that, every, like, all comics are, go on the road. That's right. what comics do. But then I moved here and everybody has, like, a web series and then they have their acting reel and they're going right. on commercial auditions and they're going up for uh, pilots. And it's a very interesting balance. I think everyone has their own, like, idea of what a stand-up... Well, I know... F- I, I can't speak for everyone, but I know, like, when I was, like, 20... Three. That was when I first was like, okay, I'm going to do stand-up. It was like, because I tried stand-up once when I was 22, and it, like, bombed so bad. I was like, well, I'll never do that again. <laughs> and then... One year later. Yeah. And then a, almost a year later, someone was like, you want to host a show? Because uh, they knew I had, like, some comedy friends, because I did, like, a little improv and stuff like that. And I was like, okay. And then I got... La- I did, like, a character, and then I got laughs. I was like, okay, I'm going to tell everyone I'm a comedian now. I'm a yeah. comedian, and I'm not going to school. I'm not, like... Because I would, like, spend time being like, yeah, I'm out here, I'm going to go to school, probably in the spring, and then spring, like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to apply next fall, and then fall, it's like, yep, getting ready to, uh, getting ready to get just my application together, and, and so I just never would. That actually, I think, is another really awesome point that 
there is that moment when you're a comic, when you start calling yourself a comic, and it's usually like not, it's not tied to like, oh, I'm making money, I'm getting lots of bookings. It's just that decision in your brain, like, now this is what I'm doing. And that's right. kind of what you're talking when about. When did you, have, have you already talked about this on your own no. podcast? When did you start? And like, you what was your... the light? Um, oh, yeah. Uh, this is a good chat. I don't want to stop. I know. This is actually, we like just hit the great part right. of the of the. Time. Where I turn the tables on you. <laughs> well, I was doing improv for a while, and then I in went Chicago. to... In Chicago. In Boston. Uh-huh. But I am from Chicago. I was living in Boston doing improv. I moved back to Chicago because I was like, I'll get more improv training. And then I was going to go to social work school. I had all these... It's kind of similar to what you're talking about. I had just like these plans for things that were like eventualities right and then I found stand up like I started doing stand up and I just slowly allowed myself to realize that that's what I was doing right. the whole time I mean I think for a while there a was a version of, of what you would your stand up would go on to be yeah <laughs> what I, I, first of all one more time for Josh Fadum one more time Oh my god, I love that. I love that Bernard Hartsock bit. And I love, I love, I love Josh. Also, he's one of those comics. I love to listen to audiences listen to Josh because it's like there, some people are quizzical, some people are lightly chuckling, and then like one twentieth of the people are they need physical respiration. Like, one twenty of the people are like, this is the best thing that has ever happened! Those are the best 20th percentage of the people in here. And uh, you should... I'm going to recommend that you listen to this particular show so that you can hear that set again once you've accepted your own selves. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like some of you guys were... You were a barrier. Um... To your own enjoyment, because you didn't understand space and time. You were, you were calling yourselves off. It's too silly. I'm an adult. <laughs> I laugh at you know the word faggot or whatever. <laughs> He's amazing. Everybody on this show has been amazing so far. And actually, we have one final comic left. It's a huge treat for me to bring him up because he is a former Chicagoan who just moved here a couple months ago, just like I did. Actually, this is his first time at the UCB Theater tonight. And we're going to give him a crazy welcome, right? Right? Am I right? This is his first time at UCB. I'm also, I know there's going to be people here that come to UCB a lot, and I know you haven't seen him. uh, And that makes me so excited because you're going to lose your minds. Let's hear right now from Mr. James Fritz, guys. Give it up for James Fritz. Oh, one more time for Cam, everybody. I love Cam so much. Oh, hey, you're the first people I've talked to all day. I've been a little down since I got out here. Anyone else ever find that? Oh, my God. Like, and this new year, every new year, well, the last, like, three, I've tried to make the same, like, what are those called? Resolutions? Yeah. We're like, I'm just trying to be happier. I just want to be a happier person. Like, I want to work on my brain, because he, he down, neck down is shot. That's fucking gone. I don't care about it. I'm just going to be a brain man. I'm going to be a fucking brain man, be positive, try to be happier. Like, but it's hard, because I think I'm depressed, but I don't know. And that's, like, the worst position to be in, 
in the world. Like, I get mad when people say, like, they're free cl clinically depressed. I feel like you're just bragging that you have enough money to see a therapist. Fuck you, <laughs> clinically depressed. I long for clinical depression. That sounds amazing. That means I have enough fuck you money I can bore a total stranger three to five times a week with my little white guy problems. Bring on clinical depression any time. Because, like, right now I'm just free clinically depressed. You been in there? A little free clinic? Yeah, it's quite depressing. Uh, especially like the shithole neighborhoods I find myself living in. It's like, fuck a real doctor. They don't even give you real condoms at these places. It's just like, what is this, unlubricated lambskin? That's good enough for poor people to fuck with. Why should they feel a moment of pleasure in their lives of endless drudgery? They don't even rib them for anyone's pleasure. They just back over them with a city dump truck and go, there's lines on it, fuck away, poor people. Shouldn't we be giving poor people the most comfortable condoms in the world so shitheads like me are more apt to strap one on and not crap out a half-me baby you guys are going to pay for for, I don't know, 18 years? I'm just saying, like, condoms should be free in the mail for everyone over the age of 15 who makes less than 20 grand a year, and I want to be your new alderman. Let's clean up the streets. If you have aldermen out here, I need to update that joke. All right. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, was, I came here from Chicago, but I'm originally from Kentucky. Hold your applause. And it's weird, like all this gun shit in the news, like everyone, a lot of people who grew up in cities are a little, like, but I grew up like just covered in guns. Just... <laughs> Like a bed of guns I was born into. Hey, everyone has guns down there because of like the hunting culture. And like, I remember I went hunting as a child. I went dove hunting when I was like five years old and I murdered a dove with a gun, which uh, that's a great idea. Hey, little Southern Baptist kid, learn the Bible backwards and forwards and then just blow the symbol of peace out of the fucking sky. <laughs> And enjoy the rest of your life. You're not going to have any guilt issues or problems. Like, I still feel guilty about that fucking dove. Like, it was delicious. But I feel... Bad. But, like, I get... I get, like, hunting. If you eat meat, I eat meat. I have no self-control. Uh, like, I admire you vegans. I'm not going to make any vegan jokes. But, like, I get it if you eat what you kill. I never understood, like, super gung-ho motherfuckers. Like, guys who, like, stuff and mount animals on, like, the walls of their homes. Like, that's kind of... Ew, to me, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if that comes, that visual joke comes across on the podcast, but it's killed in here. Um, <laughs> but it's usually like the same, it's usually like Christian conservative types who are like the big gung-ho. And I never understood people who did that, who like stuff and mount animals on their walls, but I think I figured it out. I think the reason like Christian conservatives stuff and mount animals on their walls is so when they're hate-fucking their lifeless wives, they have a different set of dead eyes to stare into so they can finish. <laughs> I did research, it's true. Yeah, I was raised Southern Baptist, so... Yeah. It's the worst one. It's the worst thing to be. It's fucking crazy. If you're not familiar, it's like all the guilt of Catholicism, but none of the architecture or beauty. Just like puke orange carpets and fat tick-like men screaming until they're red in the face about how the queers are taking over. It's a great way to raise a child. I'm very well adjusted. And like my parents like should be divorced, but they're not. You know what I mean? Like I have one of those, like, which is awful to be rooting for a divorce your whole childhood. I remember when other friends would come up and like be like, my parents are getting a divorce. I'd go in for the high five and they'd be crying. And I'm like, oh, come on, they have a shot at happiness now. Like, 
<laughs> like a lot of parents stay together for the kids, and my parents are staying together for Jesus, and he like never goes away to college. <laughs> Turns out he's kind of a hippie, he wants to backpack around Europe and find himself. <laughs> oh, Jesus. And like, whatever, religion's evil. But like, if you believe what you believe, that's fine. I'm not gonna, we're all trying to get through this shitty world. But like, <laughs> what is wrong with me? But like, I'm happy, I'm so happy. Sunshine is great out here. Uh, but, <laughs> but like, I get if you believe what you believe. But I have real problems with like organized religion, especially like Southern Baptist, how I grew up. Because like, mainly because of like how the treatment of women in it, like women's role is to be subservient. And, you know, wait on the man hand and foot and basically, you know, and like I saw what it did with my mother, like in her life, because like, like the disconnect in her brain, because in her public life, she was like a badass. She was like the first female principal of her hometown, like fought the old boy network. I was like, go mom. And then she'd come home and just like submit, you know, and swallow her fucking feelings. And it always made me so sad. And like when I was home for Christmas, I realized like the perfect metaphor for my parents' marriage. And it has to be like the bathroom door in the house I grew up in, because there's a hole in the door. Uh, that my dad punched through when I was like five years old because my mother was in there taking too long of a shit than a Christian woman's supposed to take. Like, I think it says in Leviticus, she shall be in the loo no more than 15 minutes lest it's 47 days in the field. And she had had like an extra salty ham that day, so she was pinching off like a 20, 25-minute loaf. And so my father, to convey his displeasure since words are for sissies, decides to just punch a fucking hole through the bathroom door while his wife is in there taking a shit and I hope he led with his ring hand so the first thing she saw was light reflecting off that symbol of together foreverness coming through the door while she thought she had a goddamn moment of peace alone. And that's not the fucked up part of the story. No, the fucked up part of the story is that to this day, these adult human beings haven't replaced a $40 wooden door. Now, what do they do? Uh, my mother took a hand towel with a quilted rose on it and pinned it up and covered up the rage hole. And that's the perfect metaphor of a Christian marriage. <laughs> yeah. Heaven forbid you come over for dinner someday and lift up the hate doily and see the swirling hell mouth of truth underneath while you're trying to digest your apple pie. Praise his name. Christ is Lord. Am I right, ladies? Like, how a woman can believe in the Bible blows my mind. Unlike most Christians, I've read the whole thing. And you know what it says? It says your property. Spoiler alert, but it's fucking in there. And that's insane to me. That's like a black person defending slavery by going, well, we do get uppity sometimes. No, ladies. Some self-respect. I guess I could call her and tell her all this. Hmm. I don't want to hurt her feelings. <laughs> she can't figure out podcasts. It's great. <laughs> oh, jeez. But, yeah, like, being a woman in the South, being a woman in general is fucking crazy. Like, <laughs> it's great. No, I mean, it's hard. Like, it's fucking difficult. Like, uh, I saw this amazing woman. Like, I was on the bus. I used to take the bus a lot. Shocking, I know. But, like, I was on the bus. I was going to the Gay Pride Parade. Uh... Not a gay man, just capable of human empathy. Sit down, stop applauding. I'm great, but it's not about that right now. But I'm, I'm on the bus going to the gay pride parade, and it's super crowded on the bus, and we're packed in there like sardines, and like I'm up on, my hand's up on the rail, and there's a woman like sitting right here, and she's got tattooed on her chest, like in nice calligraphy, it says, like, only God can judge me. <laughs> Which... <laughs> 
First of all, lady, that's a great, great idea to get a Tupac quote on your body. I mean, he was charged with sexual battery and assault, but he's dead now. Great guy, champion of women. But, like, I was just sitting there looking at her, just judging the shit out of her, just judging, ju- ju- doing exactly what her body told me not to do. And I'm, like, going to the gay pride parade today. I'm, like, not planning on judging a soul. I'm, like, judge-free day for James. I'm a great person. Bam! Just judging this woman. And then it hit me, like, an hour in. I was like, oh, shit, I'm her god now. So I exited the bus and abandoned her. <laughs> but in all honesty, like, for real, part of me was like super attracted to her, like crazy into her because of her confidence, because she didn't give a shit what anyone thought, let alone me, you know, this idiot. And like, there's something just so attractive about confidence in a woman. It's such a rare commodity in this horseshit culture we've created where we just body shame you to the fucking grave and make you feel like garbage all the time. And like, it's everywhere. Like every, I don't know how little girls do it. Like every day at the checkout line with their mom just looking at giant tits on ribs and then candy bars. I'm like, fucking how are they not just blowing their brains out like all over the scanner? Like I don't fucking... It's horrible. And like women can be just as bad with each other sometimes. I remember when Adele announced she was pregnant, like 30 female comics I knew on Twitter were making fat jokes. I was like, don't you body shame Adele, motherfucker. She's perfect. I'll lick butter off those lips till the cows fucking come home. Leave Adele alone, you know? And and I thought it would get better with age. Like, I'm 34 now. I thought, like, it wouldn't be such a thing. But, like, it's so pervasive, like, in every one. And, like, case in point, like, the last two women I was with, I'll give you the spectrum. Like, last two women I was with will say romantically. Um... (laughs) Like, the first one was this woman I met on the road, and, like, she came and visited Chicago, and we hold up together for, like, three days, making the closest thing to love I can make. Like, and she was, like, this neo-hippie chick, which just means she's a free spirit, but she washes. And it was amazing, you know? And she's great, and, like, the woman after her was the most beautiful woman who's ever let my ashtray mouth touch her lips. Just like stunning, like took my breath away. And she was like Italian and adopted, which was really hot to me. And like, we didn't even have sex. She was like, I'm on my period. You can just come on my back. And I did because I'm a feminist and a people pleaser. But both of these women, this spectrum of women, I had to have an hour long conversation with about how they weren't fat. And I'm like, fuck, you're not fat. You're perfect. We're naked together. I fucking approve. You know what I mean? Like, you're perfect. And like, I'm so sick of that conversation. Like, I'm this close to just marrying, marrying like a morbidly obese drag queen with confidence. Because at this point in my life, I really just want to fall and like masturbate separately and fall asleep cuddling something that feels like a woman that believes in itself. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks for your time. Uh, Come back. Thanks. So, Fritz, James Fritz, you just went up on the UCB stage for the first time. Mm -hmm. And when I went up here for the first time, which isn't that long ago or anything, but my initial reaction was like, it's a very interesting audience because it's a comedy nerd audience, but also like it's a theater space. They're kind of relaxed. Like, in a, it's They're almost like relaxed. a, which, it's like a leaned back. And even like relaxed for LA, which is very relaxed. Yeah, that's true. Um, what did you think of, really how did like you think it went? marijuana out here. Yeah, they love marijuana. But even the people that aren't smoking marijuana just, like, hike so much. <laughs> They're, just so They're not stressed. They're tuckered yeah. out They're by just the time they come to the show. Yeah. They're um, so... No, I liked it. Uh, I, no, I had a great time. I, they, uh, they like the, you know, they like, they appreciate you being in the moment because they've seen so much. 
shit. That, I actually... Like, I appreciate when you, like, comment on something maybe not working or, like... You know what's funny is I completely vibe that. I totally yeah. understand what you're saying. Like, I, I find that crowd work here yeah. goes over, like... They're like, like the audience is like losing their minds, and I think you're right. I think maybe it is sort of just an exposure to a lot of polished stand-up that, sure. like, maybe if you, it's like the opposite. Well, of, they've seen so many people run their yeah, uh, their Conan Five, right? Exactly. Do you know what I mean? They've seen yeah, their so best stuff hammered out right. without any breaks in the middle. So there is sort of like a cool humanity reward. Mm. Like if you were like, oh, that's yeah. a person. Not that those sets don't go well, but their Conan right, sets. Right, right, right. Yeah. But, uh, no, they like that. I think, yeah, more so than, I'd say kind of more so than Chicago. I don't know. I haven't been out here that long. But, like. No, that would be my experience as well. Yeah. I always found that in Chicago. Whereas in Chicago, they kind of want, like, a show. Yeah, they want you to, they want you to plow through it. Yeah. And not that people here don't, but I think specifically at UCB especially. It's like a Midwestern thing, I think. Just, like, we paid our money. Yeah. <laughs> we, we went to dinner. Right. Now, fucking put on a exactly. show. Exactly. Guys, Mr. James Fritz. Let's hear for James Fritz. And why don't you give it going for everybody you saw tonight. Guys, I want to thank you so much for coming out to put your hands together. We are here every Tuesday night at 8 at the UCB Theater. I'm Cameron Esposito. Please enjoy the rest of your night. Put your hands together. 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 Get ready to laugh. Put your hands together. Put your hands together. Get ready to clap. Put your hands together. Put your hands together. This is Arnie Niekamp from the Improv Fantasy Podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern. I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical land of Foon, and I started a podcast. Season 3 has just begun with a brand new adventure to defeat the Dark Lord. If you're a new listener or you've fallen behind, Season 3 is a great jumping on point, and we've got great guests like Justin McElroy. I sound like a fancy college professor. Fake nuts. <laughs> Rachel Bloom. You all see my collection of men corpses and one woman. Felicia Day and Colton Dunn. You've seen <coughs> me have intercourse with a variety of species. It's a bummer. Andy Daly. You have the members of Genesis listed, but Phil Collins yeah. has crossed out and then circled and crossed out again. Uh, yes, I have killed Phil Collins twice. Thomas Middleditch. <laughs> Oh, Jesus! I mean, Jazos! <laughs> Ruler of the Eighth Circle! And that's just the beginning. Season three of Hello from the Magic Tavern is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.